Oh, hello. If you are not angry, you're not paying enough attention, Ryan. <laughs> it's okay to be angry. Anger is good. It's kind of fucked up if you're not angry, Ryan. <laughs> My blood pressure's high and I'm losing my hair, but at least I'm angry. Are you angry, Ryan? <laughs> turn the video off. <laughs> you turn that video off. Oh, did I do it? I think so. You did. You did. Oh! Wait, do you have your headset on? No, I'll get it. <laughs> Sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. Ugh, headset. I have the headset just so you listeners know what my headset looks like. It looks like a 13 year old boy saved up his money and bought it on Amazon. It's like a- to play his to play his games. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? If you're not angry, then you're broken. Are you <laughs> broken or are you whole, Ryan? Don't want to go on your $4,000 retreat. You've got too much money. Go fuck yourself, Ryan. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. So I just got off my therapy Hmm. appointment. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I filled up my self-care well. Fair. No, I don't. I'm going to be honest. Did you. you fill up your, your self-care Barbie? <laughs> yes. Self-care Barbie is at 75%, so that's good. I basically <laughs> like get on a call with my therapist every so often, and I'm like, should I be sectioned? I shouldn't be sectioned, right? I'm okay. And she's like, you're totally fine. And I'm like, okay. okay. All right. Talk <laughs> Here's my copay. I'll talk to you in, talk to you in a week or so. That's fair. That's fair. So coronavirus, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. I'm glad uh, Pence is at the helm. So he oh yeah, go pray um, on it. That's really um, comforting. <laughs> I don't think I can process any of that right now. <laughs> I know that's fair. Um, the last debate made me want to like it just made me itchy it made me itchy the one that happened on Tuesday yeah I only saw the last bit of it because I was teaching the yogas Um, so was it I heard it was more snipey than the the last it was the moderators kind of shit the bed on it yeah, well, that'll happen. It'll. So, um, I've been thinking a lot about a lot of things. Um, uh, but what a novel concept for us! <laughs> it's it's really, you know what it is. I just realized that I think compared to, like the the people in my life that I tend to be drawn to that tend to be around me are overthinkers. They're people that are just literally sort of like cynically or optimistically or critically engaged with like 35 different things at once. And they just aren't like, they're happy go lucky, but that's just so that they don't like 
fling themselves off of a um anyways i just tend to i tend to ally myself with overthinkers sure (laughs) i'm sorry it's just your sure Uh uh-huh i but one i don't i don't particularly like that word overthinking but we can get into that later no, you're right. You're right. Because that's the anti-intellectualism at play. Yeah. Even that phrase is like, you know, just as a as a culture, we have a long history of anti-intellectualism. So to call um, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> overthinking. Well, there's there's thinking well, and then there's thinking yourself into a, you know, potentially detrimental emotional state. Um and and quite a bit of nuance in between. <laughs> yeah. So I've been thinking about yoga as a product and how what we offer in a capitalist uh, context um, means that when we teach when we teach classes or teacher trainings or workshops and then receive feedback about that, um, we're being evaluated as a service, you know, as a product service. Sure. And, um, you know, this is the same thing in, you know, any college in America, like you can rate your teachers, you can provide feedback for them. And, um, and those ratings often are the main thing that go into whether or not you, uh, get, a raise or a promotion or another or get to keep your job of, yeah or get to keep your job precisely yeah so then what we're doing is starting to mold our teaching to the tastes and predilections of our students yep and there is part of me that's like no i totally get it i you know if a teacher comes in and does a shit job and the only way to know if the teacher does a shit job is from evaluations that's one, you know, that's one thing. But like, if somebody just doesn't like, yeah, what you're teaching or how you're teaching it, there's also like, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me because I think it 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 just leads us down a road of sort of like a popularity contest, and also like when you teach challenging material that confronts long-held biases and beliefs in your students, the likelihood that you're going to get some bad reviews is pretty high. And then if you get a bunch of bad reviews and and then you're taking, you know, then like, I can just, I see how some of my favorite teachers in, um, in college, a lot of them were always like at fear of, risk about their job there was a lot of job insecurity with some of my favorite teachers and those also happened to be the teachers that were saying like the riskiest things yeah so how do we design a teacher training that makes no one happy because that's the only way to have a teacher training that's (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i think i think that that's multi-layered because when you well okay so a couple of things there's there's the truth that like teacher training wasn't wasn't a thing at some point 
and a lot of the teachers that we we sort of revere and and um uh have have really shaped what we're doing in modern postural yoga for better or for worse um they didn't really have to do with teacher training they just practiced a lot of yoga um and then honed you know their teaching and you know we would be uh, i would hesitate to say that they were that that popularity thing wasn't at play back then it was just happening on a much smaller scale because there wasn't a million yoga studios and yoga trainings and programs out there right um so i think the thing that i always come back to with teacher training is that it has become the place where people actually learn about yoga which i think is the problematic thing I would really like teacher training to be about a conversation of pedagogy, but what it ends up being is a conversation of, you know, concepts that, you know, I'm, and I'm, I, I try to be. I did really learn many of these concepts in public classes. Like the things that I end up teaching in a training. Um, and the, even the things that I learned in those initial teacher trainings that I did however many years ago. Um, it still felt like a, you know, in the trainings, they were just reiterating concepts that had already been gone over and over and over and over again in classes. And now when I step in front of a teacher training room, uh, it doesn't actually feel that way. It feels like, okay, now this is the place where we learn all of the stuff. And then classes are the places where people just get to, you know, attempt to have an experience of, of practice. Um, and I think that's, I mean, it, that just is what it is. Like, I, there's no way that I can change that. Uh, so the way that I've been thinking, especially in terms of um, uh, more of the situation I'm in now, which is often stepping into someone else's teacher training to teach, the thing that I am I am holding, though I don't necessarily say it out loud, is I don't really care if you ever go teach any of this material i want to teach you material that i think is is beneficial towards your own practice and then because i'm only seeing you for like three to six hours over the course of 200 or 300 like that's kind of the best i could hope for <laughs> is that something i say is beneficial to someone in the room's home practice um and i reserve you know lengthy conversation of of conversations of pedagogy for people whom i have more of a um uh 
like mentor-ish relationship with. Those were just some thoughts that I threw at the wall. And I can hear you having feelings about them. (laughs) I just think uh, it makes sense to mirror a liberal arts education, just exposure to different ideas. And like part of exposure to different ideas is ones that might be uh, I, I don't, I, I don't like, I don't like babying students or appealing to their comfort zone. I don't like using, I, I think one of the, a, a better place for this conversation to exist would be like, let's talk about how we teach something specific. And by we, I mean like, you know, yoga works, teacher trainings, core power, teacher trainings, you know, the average sort of vinyasa to yeah. 200 hour anatomy mm-hmm. uh, course. Of course, there are exceptions. I get it. But yeah, yeah. on the whole, how we teach anatomy is just such an interesting place to start with what the, what the hell we're doing in um <laughs> in teacher trainings. For, for me, there's part of me that's like, throw it out the window. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, I unt- throw it out the window until everyone can decide what the scope of freaking teaching is, like what the scope of practice is. That's fair. Because it's so all over the map how yeah. people are approaching teaching anatomy. And, and what I've seen more often than not is like signposts that lead to extremism. Extremism of sure. thought, rigidity of thought, where the thing I care about is like people that are – thinking about yeah about uh what they're teaching and why and i don't have to agree with them but they need to at least be thinking about it and i'm i'm always shocked at how many people are like yeah but this one viewpoint was presented to me and so is therefore a fact yes it well, never, and it's all... but it's like that everywhere. This isn't like unique to yoga classroom. You go into a freaking yeah. any college and any liberal arts college in the United States, and that's like the. So, what are parents doing to their kids that is making these kids so fucking dumb? I'm sorry, that's <laughs> the wrong word, but so um shocked at the plurality of possibilities. Yeah, because this isn't about yoga. This is about thinking. Yeah. Oh, now I'm getting well, angry. I mean, wasn't it inevitable? That's how I started <laughs> off the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> it was a, song, a little ditty. Yeah. Why are people – why is it so hard to hold two, two thoughts that are diametrically opposed but potentially both have elements of truth in them at once? Because what the hell is truth? Oh, yeah. the uh, What is it? NPR is doing a truth series podcast coming up. But um, – Well, no, I, and, and what, and specifically the study and practice of, of yoga should be leading people, hopefully, to be able to hold opposing points of view <laughs> at the same time. Um, and I, I think specifically with anatomy, there's, there's a, um, 
there's a confusion often as to the why. Um, meaning, are we learning anatomy so that we can... do complex poses are we learning anatomy sometimes people will point to the safety conversation Mm. which is questionable Mm. at best how do you keep your students safe okay jesus (laughs) Uh, it's Um, always it's always uh just white women that are so concerned with the safety of alignment sure i'm losing it (laughs) this is it this is where i get fired what is going on with the god complex around safety yeah um sorry then there's learning anatomy so that you can say uh, honestly i think there's some some in uh desire to learn anatomy so that you can say fancy things to students and talk about things with their latin terms and um and there's like a superiority Mm -hmm. um when like oftentimes like there i mean we live in boston there are fucking physicians in the room i know (laughs) I know. Which is not to say that even physicians know everything about anatomy because physicians are training is so specific um and and specialized that like while they may know like one part of the body in like a very micro anatomical way, there might be another part of the body that they're completely um you know might have less knowledge of and you know top it off with the fact that they're just human beings like there's a limit to how much information they can hold in their head at one time um anyways uh but the thing is is i don't i don't know that anyone needs and this is where we have to like parse it out a little bit i don't know that anyone needs to know the names of the muscles in their body in order to have a safe and sustainable yoga practice. Do I think they need to know that they're like what a muscle, like, is it helpful to know that yes, there are muscles and yes, there are joints and yes, there are bones and they move in a particular way. And uh, yes, but I don't think the micro anatomy, and I mean, even like just down to like, this quadricep versus this quadricep versus this quadricep versus this one. Like, I'm not sure how that's useful until it, until there's a necessity for it to be useful. And what I mean by that is like, someone's awareness of the musculature of the thigh might just be, I have a thigh, it has muscle, (laughs) period. And then maybe they start experiencing discomfort in that musculature and their yoga practice might lead them to go, okay, so what's actually in there? And then the inquiry leads them to have a more um, specific understanding of the musculature and the structure of their thigh. But to like require 
that someone know that? I, I just don't know. Um, and as with any sort of learning environment that we have all become accustomed to, even if like I had to create a exam that the yoga teachers had to take to graduate their 200 hour, they're just going to learn it for the purpose of the exam and then forget it because it's not readily necessary for the actual act of teaching yoga in a drop-in setting. So my bias is always the primary reason that I study anatomy is so that I and biomechanics and physiology and all that is so that I have a clear understanding of the choices that I can make with my own body. Secondarily, there is some benefit to knowing that intellectually that a structure exists in the body and then trying to interocept that structure. Whether or not I feel it with any accuracy is beyond the point because there's so much ambiguity in what you're feeling in the body that it doesn't like... It's, but the act of trying to feel internally what is going on is a useful, useful act. So in many ways, you know, as in many people have said this, Leslie Kamenoff, Amy Matthews, every, everybody, but, you know, the the anatomical framework is, is in many ways just a map. And is giving you a organize, a way to organize your awareness, um... in order to practice. And yes, there may be some optimal positions for the joint structure, for the um, musculature um, that people can talk about. You know, this is classically in the, in, you know, your typical yoga teacher training, like name the five alignment points for warrior two. And among them is almost always going to be front thigh parallel with the floor. Yes? Yeah. Which is where we get... So, but if we actually go to unpack that, it's like, okay, so why does why does the lunge have to be that deep in order to experience Warrior 2? And then the next question is, well, if you look at the contour of your... Is it is it the contour of the top of the thigh that's parallel is it the contour of the bottom of the thigh that's parallel whose thigh whose hip socket whose knee who's this who's that so sometimes i think the things that were said in an effort to teach a room full of people some physical postures got codified as this is the way that you do it and this is the safe way that you do it and this is the optimal way that you do it. When absent a human being in front of me, I, I I could not hypothesize an optimal way to do any given pose. Well, and it also demands uh, a stripping down of the word optimal. Like, I am... I, I... Sure, I mean, to... to 
to me, the optimal is optimal towards what intention? It, optimal towards what intention? Exactly. So, like, if you're teaching art, I mean, it's like, well, here's red in oil and here's red in watercolor and they are different. And what do you want to do? And understand that one is not wrong and one is not right. Yeah. These are just different tools with which to create and to inquire. So I, you know, it, it, to me, it is just a harmful rhetorical device to be like, this is the one safe way to do something and to assume that there is this singularity of body that is like an applicable fucking sure. construct to apply arbitrary um, alignment to. And yeah. I, I believe alignment truly is not only arbitrary but is a deep with a deep deeply artful exercise towards inquiry that's it yes no i would agree with that and i think and and then the the thing that i would the only the only argument that i can ascribe towards that sort of uh, typical view of teaching quote unquote alignment is that there does need to be a reference point. It's just that we understand it. We have to understand it as a reference point, not as a fixed situation. So like Tadasana is a useful reference point. And even within that, <clears throat> There are ample amount of choices that people can make. But the reference point is worthwhile. A standing neutral pose <clears throat> with the feet underneath the hips, more or less. You know, and in my mind, for my teaching and my practice, thumbs and biceps pointing forward is a worthwhile reference point from which I can build any number of poses into any amount of compoundness or complexity that I see is um, see to be interesting on a given day. Um, so I do think the reference point is useful. It's just it has to be stated that this is a this is a reference. This is the reference of this is where the conversation starts. <laughs> Yes, exactly. This is where the conversation starts. And then from here, we can have any number of conversations. It's just so often the conversation begins in a posture that is so compound in terms of action that it just it becomes the conversation of what's right and what's wrong. Um, and... And I think the tricky thing is, is that that... that it's not a, what's the word I want to use here? Um, to, it is, if you had a room full of relatively able-bodied human beings to say that these are the five points to memorize for this pose, that is a quick way to quote unquote teach 
a yoga posture. But then what? (laughs) (laughs) But then what? Um... So, I just, and, and that also, um, that, that approach doesn't leave people open to consider a plurality of possibilities so it's like how do you teach the reference point without making everything other than the reference point a variation or a modification or a you know an alternate or a or without othering the rest of the a million possibilities that are that are um feasible within the vague abstract outline of Parsvakonasana. Long pause. <laughs> Well, I. So, what do you suggest? Um, I. I think it's I think it's difficult given the expectation of a drop-in class. However, I do think there is a way to. teach people what the choices are in simple postures, meaning that like, yes, your knee is more complicated than just folding, unfolding, but, but basically it just folds and unfolds and your ankle pretty much just points and, or really flexes and flexes and rocks side to side. You can do those actions in combination with one another, but fundamentally those are the two actions. Like, in simple posture, there is a way, in simple somatic exercises, there is a way to articulate through the joints and then very slowly rack up the variables into a compound position. And then to say, at some point, okay, can you use the choices that you're making to respond to the sensations that you're feeling in the body in the context of any given posture. And then that would lead to, over potentially many years of practice, people having having an idea, perhaps, at least a starting point of where to go, okay, in this posture, I can feel this part of my experience very clearly. And because I am feeling this part of my experience is a little bit off, I'm going to, uh, or uh, in in a sense of uh, disease, 
uh, I'm going to do this posture with the aim of trying to address the gripping in my lower back. And I know within this posture, I'm not just going to lie there and chill, that I have any number of choices that I could make with any number of joints in my body. It's it's like, it's trying in a very long form type of way to teach people how to do something that, you know, without using a controversial term, <laughs> to be their own yoga therapist. Mm. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So when we have, as part of the only place that we're actually learning, you know, some tools for that is like the public classroom, and then second layer is the 200-hour. And then what we have is and the then, stripping of agency from your own internal interception, but, your proprioception, when, we, when we're torn away from that and sold a bill of goods in the form of one or two teachers pointing at a manual, which is a picture of assuredly another thin 30-year-old white woman, what we have is something that is super destructive. And it might sound yeah. how this might sound sound hyperbolic, but I really don't believe that it is. I think that it is insidious, and it matters, and it is a big fucking deal. So I but and I but then at that look at, at your manuals uh, at that point studios. though, at that point, you've already jumped the gun though, because it's no longer about how do you feel this in your own body. It's about how do you articulate this to someone else? So if the, if the layer where we're actually learning the concepts that are useful in practice, whether it's the concepts that I find useful in practice or the concepts that you find useful in practice, and then immediately we're jumping the conversation over to pedagogy, and the pedagogy is really defined by the fact that a drop in class needs to have this many human beings in it in order to be profitable, then you get this feedback loop that is really not useful. Because yoga is kind of boring. <laughs> And it's meant to be. <laughs> oh, I don't think that for a second. It's not meant to be boring. No, yoga's really kind of boring. Well, and, like, we're constantly overlaying this other shit to lessen the boredom. Just think, ten years ago, like, music played in the classroom would have been, like, a novel thing. Heat, you know, all of these styles that have, like, with the exception of Bikram, that have the heat cranked up... Like, I remember going to a Baptiste studio where the heat was 82. And then slowly getting cranked up over 100. It's just like we have to give ourselves some other stimulus. Because we're just... I don't know, though. Like, I mean, you look at the Chicago World Fair when some yoga asana was one of the early introductions of yoga asana to the United States, it was pretty unboring. It was some circus tricks shit. So I always think that there's an element of unboring, shocking, sort of uh, visually consumable part of the practice that is inherently in the direction of way of being entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, and I also think that I spend a lot of, you did, you did hit a sore spot for me. I spend a lot of time once I get folks in warrior two talking about how boring warrior two is. Sure. And then sort of deconstructing that like, well, how is it not boring? Well, this might be happening or is this happening or what might it feel like if you blah, blah, blah. And then I think, well, you know, it's just okay to like build a new asana and think about things in a new way. There's only so many ways the body moves, but there's sure as shit more than is being presented in, you know, in the average 200 hour teacher training manual. Sure. Sure. All of this makes my also, boobs hurt. I just need you to know I, my boobs hurt from this. I also, um, I, uh, I have never seen a useful teacher training manual. They don't exist. They're hate machines. They're just a little fucking bag of bias. Oh, do you want I, your hate pamphlet? Here it is. I, I mean, to be, and I just want to be clear. I have, I have written and constructed <clears throat> a large number of oh, <laughs> teacher training manuals. This is true. And I have consulted <laughs> on the production of at least six people's 200 hour teacher training manuals. So we are not coming from a place of like, we are talking about one specific studio. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. We are coming from a place of, we've had, we've been up to our elbows deep in several people's, <laughs> uh, you know, manuals. Manuals. This is something that we know. Uh, yeah. Now, do do I think so that virus. do I believe that somewhere out there that with enough time and enough money that I could take a whole year off of everything and write a very very useful teacher training manual? Maybe. <laughs> I have my doubts. But I know that I could, but I know that it would probably not involve an exhaustive amount of photographs of people in asana. Mm. Like, it, it, I think it would be hard to have no photographs. But, or no sketches, or no, you know... I think sketches are are better sometimes. Um, uh, did barbers have sketches? I think I think barbers had like like etchings of the post as opposed to like a picture of someone in the post. Um, uh, but I'd have to look. I don't know. It's not on my bookshelf right now. Um, uh, yeah, I like I it's not that I I would I don't think that there is a usefulness to have some sort of 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 manual um it, it's just that the ones I've seen I've have never been useful and the ones I've constructed for a training we've like never actually used them. <laughs> yeah, and I just think that you know, fucking wake up, bodies are different. <sighs> Bodies have different ranges of motion. Bodies are taller and fatter and thinner and older. And, you know, the one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite parts of the of a prenatal manual by uh, back at own births is uh, where she talks about the pelvic bowl inlet. And how uh, looking at a woman on the outside, you cannot tell whether or not she, what type of, you know, pubic bowl implant sure. she had. Yeah, you yeah. don't know. Just looking at big hips if blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the whole point is like uh, 
there are exciting and thrilling ranges of diversity anatomically that we have still yet to uncover. Um, Like there's so many different, um, there's so many different uh, normal intestinal variations from person to person, even within like the same, um, even within the same gender uh, and uh, sorry, yeah, the same sex expression, even within like same um, ethnicities and like different, like, uh, you know, your belly, your, and your intestines can be wildly um, various in sizes. There's like 13, you know, different types that you could have, you know, so, and that's just one part of the body we're talking about, (laughs) you know, if you look at like the, just like the plurality of hands, like if you ever just lined up people's hands and look at them, like, or people's L the, the elbow variation. Yes. The elbow is a great one. Um, and, so any conversation, uh, just to like bring it back around, like any conversation of anatomy, like it has to begin with the clarity of like, okay, well, what and why? Like what what is the thing that we're studying right now and why are we studying it? And if someone decides that it really is they're going to teach anatomy because they think it makes people more, it makes students safer then go for that. You know, like I can't, I'm not going to like say that they're a bad person or something like that. Um, uh, But for me, it's much more of a conversation of the study of anatomy has, has given me a clarity of the choices that I can make in my body in terms of how I position myself in terms of how I, um, move through the world in terms of, um, how I address physical pain, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so if I'm going to, um, teach people about anatomy, those choices don't begin by understanding the names of each individual wrist bone. They begin in bigger chunks I find so often the anatomical study goes from very in in yoga anyway goes from like this is the name of the muscle this is it where it attaches and then this is how it potentially affects the joints that it crosses and I don't know that that's a good, I, not, I don't know. I don't think that that's necessarily a good starting point. It's a good point to get to at some point if you're interested in it. But I don't think that it's, that that level, um, and, and doing it in a sort of memorization type way is necessarily helpful. And if I had all of the time in the world, would, you know, yes, we'd go from big, gross anatomy to, okay, now let's see if we can, you know, to what extent we actually can isolate some of this so that we can feel with our own hands what's what's going on when I point and flex my foot. Um, great, but 
this is also part of the problem of the yoga alliance standards being structured as like 20 hours for anatomy or 30 or whatever it is now and and then 50 somewhat hours for this and somewhat hours for that is like it shouldn't really be an isolated subject in my mind Mm. yeah totally it's just like if if i'm talking about trikonasana well why not fucking talk about the hip joint There's a good pose to try and feel the clarity and most often lack thereof in someone's hip joint. And I include myself in that in that uh, assessment. And then being able to feel, okay, so what are my choices within the context of this, this posture? Now, if, would I use trikonasana as the starting point for talking about what is a hip joint and, and what are the muscles that steer and stabilize it? No, because it's a little too complex for that. Um... But I think I think that information, if we really are doing an asana teacher training, should be just more interwoven throughout. And I often question what the um, sort of standalone X hours of anatomy uh, really does... Um, for folks as opposed to being able to understand it within the context of how it might actually be useful information within day-to-day practice. That's a very good point. You know, it's like the thing we complain about uh, in public school education, like for the kids that aren't inclined uh, to be taught math as an isolated subject, like when you incorporate it into a cooking class or its larger implications, it becomes useful. Um, So integrated (laughs) education. And I think the same principle should apply to a yoga teacher training. Like that also helps us think about scope of practice in a useful way. You know, because we're talking about anatomy in yes. the moment as it relates to the action of the absolutely, shape, not absolutely. as its own thing. So all of a sudden, you've taken you know anatomy and physiology one hundred and one, and and you know you could go be a fucking nurse on that. No, this is no. anatomy <laughs> and physiology for freaking yoga teachers. So yeah. let's not have it be separate. Let's weave it into how we're talking about inclusivity and how we're talking about. Um, sequencing and um and then it has its own it has a container that's appropriate yes yes is anyone gonna do that no that's hard to do because then it's hard to do in well number one it's hard to do in any training where there there is a multitude of teachers who may not be on the same page in terms of um, anatomy and how they teach it. Um, And I've been thinking about this a lot because I know that sometimes we go back and forth and argue about uh, having a plurality of teachers versus have in a, in a training context versus having a 
single teacher or two teachers in a um or one teacher with some guest appearances in a teacher training um and i actually i had the thought yesterday that while i think having a plurality of voices is useful. I think the thing that I'm more responding to with that plurality of voices is that it's taking place within the context of these arbitrary 200 and 300 hour structures, which doesn't necessarily give you the quote unquote liberal arts experience. If it were held more within the something that more felt like a academic experience, even though it's not, you know, that might, people might cringe at that word, but, you know, our, our sort of context for academic experience, um, then it would give people, the, I think then there would be more of an understanding that what was happening is, okay, so here's an ample amount of time for someone to give context and view to what they're teaching and and teach a very very specific subject over a longer period of time or or a very very specific inquiry over a longer period of time and then here's you're going to take this course with someone else and you're going to take this course with someone else and then hopefully there is then some sort of integration of those different viewpoints or if there's not a formal integration that there is something that in the realm of practicum that is requiring you to have thought through those different um, points of view, um, which might not be totally convergent points of view uh, or totally dis disparate points of view, but they might be. And, and that would be where the, I think the plurality of voices would be more effective because I, I often worry when I'm in a situation where there is that plurality of, plurality of voices, um, that we could hit the sweet spot and have people be very positively confused to the point where they really go and think about it on their own, but then we could go over the line <laughs> and just make people feel like, Fuck yoga, I'm done. <laughs> oh, and that's a that's a very very fine line. And in the in the in the arbitrary construct of the two hundred and three hundred hour, I think it's really easy to cross that line. Because I've seen it happen both ways. I've seen positive confusion. And questions arise where I get to be like, okay, I think you should go on your own mat and, and, and figure that out yourself. Maybe with some more guidance as to like how, how one might go about that. Um, and I've seen people just be like, well, this is all crap. And I didn't, you know, I want to either drop out or get my money back because I didn't really learn anything. You've really heard that both ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, see, this is where it's a product. Yep. I didn't like the product. 
Uh, I think we should just get rid of it. Let's get rid of the product. Well, in this case, it wasn't really, it wasn't, those situations were not, I could see how, how that situation would arise where someone was treating it more like a product. This, this was really like in the, in the two or three cases that I can think of this, these people were really wanting a professional development type situation and they they didn't feel like they could they didn't feel like it that's that's what they got and part of that was because there wasn't enough cohesion between the teachers not saying all of it was but but there wasn't enough um ability for one teacher to be able to understand the context and view of another teacher to be able to understand the context and view of yet another teacher so that a conversation could be had about what the meaning of all of this confusion actually could be. Um, And, you know, is there a way to do it perfectly? No, not at all. But I... I I think the in many ways the the what's the word I'm looking for the the structure is holding us back from figuring out how to solve and improve hmm. and evolve. That's it. Yeah, the structure is a little bit uh hamstringing us from um progress development and our research and development truly <laughs> yes <laughs> you know, and, and reimagining what it could be as if it is an edifice that has existed for far longer than it has like you know yes. this is an invention this is a recent invention so like let's not be afraid to shake it up so yes. the call to action I have for uh, yoga studio owners and people that are part of yoga teacher trainings is look at it and look at what you're cultivating in the students that come to these trainings and ask yourself, is this a group of robots or is this a group of thinkers? And yeah. and, and I know that that's so much larger systemically like I we, you know, especially in yoga culture, are taught not to criticize or engage critically, and like it's not a positive thing. It doesn't allow us to spiritually bypass quite as quickly when we're forced to think about it. But you know, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I I my bandwidth is thinner than it normally is, and I just want to burn everything to the ground. And I know that's not the answer. <clears throat> But if it feels like a slap, it's a slap. If it feels suspicious, it might be suspect. Let's uh, let's use it not as a negative thing, but as an opportunity to recreate. It's art. It's fucking art. All of it is art. And art should be ugly. <laughs> um. By the way, why isn't anybody talking about Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> Everybody's talking about Elizabeth no, Warren. Everybody's talking about Bernie. Bernie and Trump. Bernie. Is it as windy down there as it is up here? It is. It's quite windy. Okay. Okay. Just at first I thought there was something wrong with the recording and then I realized it was just the wind, like actually high pitched whistling outside.
Um, I don't know. I have to go vote later. I just need to be like hugged by a caring. Um, I'm going to go with like, like panda bear. Like a sure. Like a like. I just need to. No, you know what? I'll 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 be Big Spoon. I need a baby panda to hug. Um, need a baby panda. To... <laughs> All right. All right. Or have I? I've stopped producing thoughts of value. Um. I don't know. I think it's okay to not be liked. That's not what I mean. (laughs) What do you mean? I just think that I'm the type of teacher that gets like really hot and cold responses from students. (laughs) You know? You and me both. Yeah. (laughs) People are very rarely like, ah, she's all right. It's either, it's either like, yeah, we're on the same page, man. Or it's, that is just over the top offensive. I am clutching my pearls. Oh, my gosh. That kind of language and negativity does not belong in my world. You know, and I have to respect that because I am not everybody's cup of tea. I don't want to be everybody's cup of tea. I am not in search of being a somebody's cup of tea. Sure. I'm here to present some ideas and to hope that other people come to their own conclusions because they've been exposed to a plurality of ideas and they were not handed a prepackaged righteous manual for fucking whatever. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, look at the time that we're living in. It's never been more important to fucking like question management. I mean that from a Marxist perspective, not from like a like studio perspective. <laughs> Kate's determined to get us fired. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely don't mean our you know question. Our manager, our managers are pretty good at letting us make some noise and rattle and hum. I just mean like now is the time to look at our our power structures and and uh, and question some shit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think we can call it a day. I'm sick of hearing my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, me too. <laughs> uh, call um, yeah, so we got an upcoming live event. Shoot us some emails if there's stuff you'd like us to awkwardly talk about in public. Um, come, please. <laughs> please. There are people signed up. Good. I, I mean, like, ten of them. But oh, come, come harder. Yeah. <laughs> that is Saturday, April 18th from 6 to 7.30, I believe. Um, and I promise that I will get all of this stuff up on the website soon. Um, and, um, yeah, I we didn't talk about the fact that I have taught more in the month of February than I ever have at least in the past, like, seven years. Oh, my gosh. And I have never been more exhausted. In fact, uh, this... Patricia, Patricia 
uh, Walden came up to me in the lobby and was like, you look like you're teaching too much. That's <laughs> like, point, point taken, Ryan, point taken. Ryan, this won't end well. <laughs> Point taken. Get your shit taken. together. <laughs> no, the month of March is a fully... I have no weekend teaching engagements in the month of March. So I have five-day weeks throughout. Mm. We're going to keep it that way. Can't really say the same for April, but at least there's a there's a month <laughs> where I can get my shit together. <laughs> okay. I love you. I love you, too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>